Welcome to season six of the RAG podcast. Now, for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. And this show has been around since early 2019. And every week, we are obsessed with finding out how the world's most successful and innovative recruitment agencies and their founders have got to where they are today. In season six, alongside the founder's story and the inside information of that business, I also want to focus on the reality of today's economy. There is so much noise about this inevitable recession that we find ourselves in right now. And where it's going to go, is it really having an impact on the recruitment sector? Are they seeing any change in job flow? Are they seeing any change in candidate control or activity? What is going on? I want to find out. So every single week, I want to forget the propaganda, forget the noise. I'm going to speak to a real life recruitment owner and find out what is going on in their business. I'll bring it to you every single Wednesday from 12 o'clock across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the RAG podcast. On this show, I am joined by Alex Odwell. Alex is the founder of Referment, which is a recruitment agency built on a very unique referral mechanism, methodology, if you like, that he launched in 2016. Having built a larger recruitment company, worked with the Harrington Star Group, he's one of the founding members. He then left in 2016 to start this business and he wanted to do something completely different. Purposely kept this lean. He wanted to use automation and technology to drive more candidate referrals to his business. Um, really innovative. In this episode, we break it right down. What his ideas was, what he's done, how he's integrated everything with Bullhorn. And as a result of the success with referment, he's now launched a platform called Radar, which is effectively going to be coming out in 2023 for other recruitment agencies like you guys to buy and to use. Um, ultimately, what he wants to do is optimize the the role of a recruiter and give you less time doing admin and searching and just basically have automated created so- a short list that you've got to get on the phone to build relationships with. So maximizing the relationship management for recruiters and not the admin stuff that people don't like doing. Um, really interesting guy. He's been through so much. He gives a completely different take on scaling a recruitment company. And for anyone interested in what can be done with technology in this market, you want to be listening to this show. So, without further ado, Alex, welcome to the RAG Podcast. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Pleasure. It's, uh, <laughs> it's nice to see you again. We met, when was it? It was way, it was really pre-pandemic, wasn't it? I think probably end of 2018 or middle of 2018, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah or God, 2019, for sure. That's we gone fast. We uh, the went little, the little coffee shop under Bloomberg. Was it yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are you still based around there? No, no. We're in Vauxhall now. Um, right. In a... In a Tog office right opposite MI6 and the uh, House of Parliament. You're in the cool part of town now. Not yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been more pre um, or, or post COVID. We were all obviously at home for a couple of months and we all got a little bit cabin fever. So we got a little office in Vauxhall that was kind of easy for us to get to. Um, and we kind of stayed there ever since. I bet Vauxhall's a bit more cost effective than bank, though, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, we had um, we had an office space which was lacking in quality, um, but mm. the location was was amazing, right opposite, right opposite the new Bloomberg building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But people start, you know, people weren't going out and about as much as possible. And I think that, you know, the whole idea of having that central location was so that the, the guys and girls could be out meeting people as much as possible, um, which I don't think is necessarily the case anymore. Right. We'll get into that. Well, Alex, welcome to the show. Um, I've given... 
you an intro, but I'd like you to do it justice. So for people that don't know you, tell us who you are now and just give us like a bird's eye overview of the businesses that you operate. Perfect. So I'm a maybe the, the, the you know one of the longest standing 360 recruiters um, <laughs> in, 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 in the fintech region. Um, no, I, I've been doing recruitment since 2008. Moved back from America after being at university out there and got a job at Bain and Clark. Um, then co-founded a company called Harrington Star with Toby James and Nadia and then left to, to, to launch Referment. Um, <clears throat> and throughout that time, I've, I've constantly been you know, hands-on. Um, but recently, we've been, been building out some, or for the last five, six years, we've been building out proprietary technology to try and optimise a, a recruiter's effectiveness and efficiency. Uh, and we're spinning that out into a, a separate entity to to try and help. You own a recruitment companies. firm called Referment, and what? How many people yeah. are in there? Uh, there is eight of us at the moment, um, and that's all. Fin- is that all fintech or all fintech? Yeah, um, operate across technology and what I can term client facing technology, sales, product, marketing, etc. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> and then yeah, we've got the you know literally just spun up radar technology, which will be piloting and going live with in Q4 this year, which is very exciting. Okay. We'll get into that as well. So you started Harrington Star Group and you were there for, yep. was it about six years? Yep. Yeah. And they, yep. they've they gone on to do some really cool things. Uh, you know, I don't know how, how big the head, the head count is now, but I know they've kind of, they've been on a growth journey for the last few years. Um, and then what, what, what made you want to start a new business? Do you know, I, I look back at the, the 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 start of the Harrington Star years, 2010, 11, 12, 13, as, as some of the fondest parts of, of my professional career, really. It was just such yeah, a, right. so, um, it was just new and exciting, right? And it's like, right, it was a, a us against the world mentality. Um, and we grew the business or, you know, the, the business grew to, I'm going to say maybe 50 odd heads. But by the time I left and you know, there was a New York office that was being launched yeah. and there's a North Star brand that was that was launched as well at that point in time. Um, but for me, the the opportunity to go and do something different without the, con, you know, the constraints of trying to grow headcount as the main primary source. And, it, 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 you know, it's a proven tested method, right? You know, yeah. you you. Add a hundred people into a sales business, and your revenues grow. Um, but that was always, I guess, with the you know, I've always had the kind of the complete opposite in terms of my my mindset. And I try not to liken it to you know, I don't, I wouldn't want to be on an awards stage collecting something for having the biggest recruitment company in the world. But I'd like to, you know, I'd, I'd feel proud about being on a, on a stage receiving an award with people going, "How the hell?" a company with that size making that much money or that big an impact in the market you know and I think that's that's always been something that's probably driven me internally rather than the the headcount journey makes sense so what what well it doesn't I'm quite similar I think I think I've never been that desperate around headcount like Hoxo's now at about just under 40 people but most of that's managed by my business partner, Amo, you know, and yeah, yeah. I've only got six people in my side and I love it. And I don't really think I want to grow that at all in terms of headcount. And that's why, I don't know. I just, I think the business will naturally grow and I'll be a catalyst in there, but I'm not the guy that's going to sit there and try and focus on building it to 50 or 60. It's just not who I am. I don't think I've got no, that I, in me. And, and I've, I've also, again, 
trying to use kind of weird analogies, but it's like having a an army battalion versus you know a Navy SEALs team, right? You know, you mm. kind of go in with a correct team of, you know, um, highly skilled, you know, highly driven individuals to 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 solve to solve a problem, which is what we're ultimately trying to do in recruitment, right? We're trying to help people solve their hiring problems. Um, or you kind of go down the, the the other route, which is, you know, build out a huge battalion and start invading. Um, so yeah, look, you know, again, I, I I know what we've been doing. I know that it doesn't make sense to a lot of people and it, you know, it leaves yourself open to a lot of, a lot of different challenges that I think you have when you're growing headcount. Um, you know, you've got, you, you've got to make sure you're taking care of people fundamentally, yeah. right? Because if, if, if you know, everyone's essentially a cornerstone. Um, yeah. The thing about headcount though, is I think one of the biggest drivers is obviously revenues grow, but you've got that, sellable scalable asset haven't you that you're like if you get it to a certain size you've got that much depth and structure and foundations in there that you can effectively then swan off into the sunset and it's a people can buy it whereas if you if you're a really really small team it is just about five six people how do you sell that because if the five six people then bugger off they're buying nothing that's kind of what one's more cash profit one's more long game i think that's how how i would see it yeah, and, and I guess it depends on what you're trying to do, right? Um, you know, we we've been tackling some of the the main challenges in recruitment with referment, you know, um, and building kind of proprietary technology that that now we've you know, we've realised the value of the technology we built will be you know better realised, you know, selling into other recruitment companies. <clears throat> but the reason for keeping it small has been, you know, we've done that purposefully because. When it's small, you're two things. One, you're able to identify the problems more rather than if you've got 100 people. It's like, well, he says that and she says this. And da, 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 you know, you've you got, don't really, you, know, yeah. you don't see the gaps as, as visible. And, and the problem is, is that when you're making, you know, when you've got 100 people and you're making X amount, a million a year, I think as a, as a, as a business owner, your mindset shifts and you kind of become a bit more protective of what you've got and the impact that has, right? You're not going to turn the screen turn the screw on something that loses your revenue. Um, so, so identifying the, the, the gaps in the small team is, is in my opinion, a lot easier. But then the second thing is, is implementing changes, changes to processes, changes to workflows, changes to you know, anything internal is a lot easier if you've got four or five people than you've got 100, right? Because mm-hmm. as, as we know, the majority, you know, I think most people are kind of reluctant to change and you know, recruiters by our nature are, well, this is how I do it, and it works for me. Makes sense. So, talk us through the journey then. So, you started. What year did you start referring? Paint the picture of where you were when you set that up. Um, twenty sixteen. It was um, basically kind of thought long and hard about what 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 it is that I wanted to do, um, and I had you know, a couple of very you know, long, difficult conversations with Toby about about leaving and moving on because it yeah. wasn't you know. It wasn't just like, you know, a hot bath and eureka moment for, for me. It was something like, you know, probably took four or five, six months for me to to kind of, I think, work up the courage. But there comes a point where you've got to draw a line in the sand and move forward. Um, but I just, thought, I just started a brand for them called North Star, which is still going today, which is great to see, um, about a year ago. And one of the things that we were doing, we we're looking at kind of, yeah, tech recruitment, contract tech recruitment into the you know, wide CNI market. I can remember being in CW Jobs one day in probably February, March that year, and just thinking, oh my God, this is killing me. You know, um, what was I then, 34 years of age? 
Um, is this is this what the rest of my life is going to look like? And that kind of was maybe one of the catalysts that started me thinking, right, let's go and do something different. Um, and so, you know, referment basically was born in 2016 with the view of tackling candidate generation, right? That's one of the main problems. You know, recruitment is a fairly simple game it's in, in, and it's a boxed in process, right? It's not, yeah. it's not complicated. It's, it's overcomplicated by people more often than not. And, you know, you've got you know, candidate attraction, client attraction, process management, right? Mm. Um, and so the first thing I kind of looked at was, you know, I'd always been told from day one in recruitment, you know, your best candidates come through referrals. So we looked at tackling or digitizing the referral process. Um, and it was quite interesting when, when we started or when I started, <clears throat> you know, you make, you make a lot of learns when you start kind of delving into the tech world and especially as someone who's not particularly technical. Um, <clears throat> kind of day one of the business, I found out kind of 50, 60 people that I knew very well and I said, look, what a crazy idea here. I'm going to go and get some jobs and I'm going to tell you all about these jobs and you're going to give me referrals and I'm going to give you a cut of the commission for it. Um, so we started off giving like 10, 15%. We could kind of move it up and down as we wanted to. I think I had a referral for like eight grand or one role that I was working on, but it was worth 35, 40 grand. So, you know, I'd rather take home 32 than nothing. Um, so finally, 56 people called them all, briefed them on the jobs, et cetera, and then started to get referrals in that way. Now, the problem that I had is that kind of network started to grow. And phoning up people or emailing them independently didn't work. So I had to put them all into a MailChimp campaign um, and kind of blast them with you know, quite detailed specs of what we're looking for. And um, then I started to get referrals in like WhatsApp messages, LinkedIn messages, emails, voicemails, carrier pigeon land on the window once with a, a name in a scroll. So I had to kind of capture all of that information into one one. Um, one source, I think it was Survey Monkey or something, Survey Gizmo, Survey Monkey. So API the, the MailChimp into the Survey Gizmo, the big button kind of refer here that took you through to Survey Gizmo, which we, we could then capture who you want to refer, you know, your email address, etc. So we could track it all. And and that was the start of it. And you know, month six we did like forty odd grand, forty five grand through that process that was costing me nineteen ninety nine dollars a month. So I should have just stopped you... there to be honest with you. So you were like, all right, so you, were, what were you doing for jobs though? That was a classic traditional way of getting jobs where you're just on the phone doing you doing what you do best. But then on, when it comes to candidates, you must have a, you have to build a, a base network to get the data to then even start this out, right? Yeah. So I was, I was fortunate I had a, a, um, you know, been doing a job for eight years at that point in time. So I had a, a network of people. And I think one of the things that, you know, you don't see anymore or, or not as much of is, I spent eight years of breakfast, lunches, dinners, drinks, coffees, you know, I do that, out yeah. there, out there building relationships. Um, but, you know, the, the interesting thing with, with recruitment is it, it's a two-sided marketplace, right? And on the candidate side, it's B2C, but on the client side, it's B2B. Now, I think it's a lot more difficult, especially as a professional services business, to, to disrupt a B2B type model. You know, it is very much relationship driven. It's very much um, done on, you know, your uh, your reputation and, and what people think of you. On the candidate side, it's it's unfortunately, and it's become more so because of COVID, highly, highly transactional. You know, you put your post up on LinkedIn, whatever, and people send you their CV. 
Um, so that was again trying to disintermediate. You know, we, we, you know, the, the, the focus to disintermediate the candidate attraction piece by by helping people leverage their networks um, and monetizing their networks um, or monetizing their relationships, and then providing us with candidates who who weren't necessarily on the market or on job boards, and, and it worked incredibly well. I think well, it worked well. <laughs> yeah, but the, what's in it for the candidate to refer? Like, were you were you putting in some innovative? What like referring refer refer scheme referral scheme referral scheme yeah so it, it, interestingly we don't call people candidates we just call them people right. we, we've got set, we've got in, in our bullhorn we've got clients and contacts and then people right you know um, it's, just, it's a small little thing I don't I don't know why I felt so passionate about that six years ago but I think it's the right kind of outlook right because the people are you're going to play into roles or can be an, uh, an ambassador or you know someone can kind of sing and, and shout about you in the the, the, the network in which you operate now um, we started off with like I said giving away like 10-15% of the recruitment fee depending on wow. how desperate we were for the role but we came across a, uh, I say it took us a, about a year and a half to, to realise that we had a bit of an issue and the issue was around engagement um, because the market in which we operate, we deal with you know, people, you know, mid to senior level people um, between one month and three month notice period. So as an example, somebody can make a referral on the 1st of January, it could be an eight week, 12 week interview process, then a three month notice period, and then a three month probation period. And we pay the money out after the three months. So you're talking kind of end of September. So the problem is you've referred somebody on 1st of January and I give you three grand on the 30th of September. You know, I've just lost nine months of engagement with you. It's difficult to go back to that person going, hey, who else have you got? Who else have you got? Um, and it's also very difficult to get somebody through a, an interview process from, from a referral perspective, right? So we changed our referral policy to if you refer somebody and we get them an interview, we'll pay you. Yeah. Um, because it's, you know, that's, you've, you've done. You can control that. Your... Yeah, you, you, you're controlling that in the shorter term, aren't you? Yeah, and we said it, it's at 250 uh, and it upticks £50 up to 500 So trying to gamify that, right? And then kind of you move up each successful referral you get to the point where you can make him £500 for giving us a name that we get an interview for. And what's nice about it is, is that someone could refer someone on a Monday morning. You speak to them Monday afternoon and you get them an interview on Tuesday. On Tuesday afternoon, someone's got 500 you know, quid coming in as a reward, whether it be Amazon vouchers, PayPal, well, we they, five or six what about do you ever have any instances where people refer the same people or people you already know and how does that work? yeah we've um not not too often we do have in our terms i think it's yeah, six month ownership of that candidate right um in terms of if we we utilize that referral within six months you get rewarded for it and then afterwards it kind of the time lapse element um what if, what if comes... someone's already on your mail shot list so you email 50 people to say here's a job and who do you know and someone just refers another person that's already in the list and then they respond anyway then that surely that would happen um we we try so yes yeah, so the, the the models obviously since changed from our, yeah. our mail chimp email campaign yeah. built a whole built a whole platform for it and you know tied it all into the bullhorn and everything um we try to pay out referral awards as much as possible I mean, that's, you know, we take on a case by case basis, but, you know, typically if somebody we've paid out, you know, thousands of pounds to people who refer people that we know and it could be someone that I've met with last week, but, you know, we, we're... You're in for the long right. game, right? 
Well, you've got to do the right thing, right? You're kind of asking people for you know, access to their networks and you can't go, because as soon as you go to one person, oh no, I've met with him last week and or met with her last week, they're going to go, right, this is a scam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've kind um, of got to pay out and build relationships that way and build trust. That's it, right? And, and uh, you know, the, 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 the overarching thing and the fundamental thing that, you know, always comes back to me is, is what's the right thing to do? You know, is, is it fair? Um, <clears throat> and I think if you ask somebody for something and they give it to you, then it's fair that they should be rewarded. So how did it evolve then from you sat there looking at MailChimp with this idea that's, that's beginning to work? Mm-hmm. Where did it go? What, what happened next? How did it evolve into a recruitment firm and a tech business? What was talking through the journey? So we tried to nail, like I said, the first the first main thing that we looked to target and change was candidate attraction, well, candidate generation without without spending loads of money on job boards and you know, LinkedIn job ads. So we didn't have any of that to begin with. We were so, you know, we per, you know, we we, we I use the term we, I was so adamant against paying for any job boards because that would force us to find ways of doing it differently. Um, so in 2018, I think we had about 550 referrals and there's only me and two others at that time. In 2019, so there's three recruiters. We had 1,100 referrals that came through throughout 2019. And that kind of caused us to move and focus on the next to solving the next issue, which was matching these candidates that are getting referred to jobs that we've got. Um, and that was kind of essentially the, the, the birth of, of radar uh, as, as an optimization engine, right? Because the thing is, <clears throat> I think on, on, on the guy's LinkedIn profiles, it's building the most effective and efficient recruitment business in the world. And the thing that we've been focused on is how do we get our, 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 our recruiters, how do we codify recruiters so that they can focus on high value, high impact activity. And then we can use technology to augment the low value, low impact activity, right? Even to the point where we spent about six months trying to figure out a way that we could automate CV formatting. And then we were like, well, why are we even formatting CVs anyway? Like, what's the point? So we just stopped doing it. Um, <clears throat> I know it sounds, it sounds stupid, right? It's like, well, the client, you know, if I'm hiring somebody, I don't care whether or not you send through a branded Hoxo Media CV or you send me their, 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 their normal CV. So because we had these 1,100 referrals, we had this kind of matching problem that you know, myself, John, and Lewis at the time were kind of like trying to figure out the connections between, right, this person just been referred, who could they be good for, et cetera. And that's just, so... Just to pause you a sec. So what were you actually doing all day at that point? So we, was this still MailChimp into Bullhorn surveys? Like... We'd, built, we'd built the first referral our first referment referral platform at that point that we were using um quite a lot of you know marketing on linkedin to essentially try and you know, post and publish a lot of our jobs and and then we had a fairly active email campaign um i mean you, you'd, you'd know yourself and probably better than i would there's a marketing's a bit of a black hole right when it comes to doing something like this um you know we looked at tube ads that wanted like 70 grand for an honest, that's just too much money. Um, and the, the issue with it is um, the referral platform trying to market it is, you know, you're you're fighting for eyeball time with with people you don't want to be fighting for eyeball time with, right? Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Yeah. Because the whole idea was when people are on the train, 
they could be going through the referral platform and you know trying to figure out a way to make money. But the reality is, most people on the train are either flicking through Facebook on what you know their mate had for dinner last night, or on Instagram looking at cats yeah. jumping onto cars or something. Yeah. Um, so you know, despite the fact that we were getting a lot of referrals, we also did some Facebook advertising as well. When I made the, <clears throat> you have to make a lot of um, wrong decisions. But the, the, the thing with Facebook for me was. I've got like 10,000 connections on LinkedIn, right? But I've got, or I had until recently, shutting it, shutting it off, like 200 friends on Facebook. So the people that you're on, the people you're connected to on Facebook, you're more closer to and friendlier than you are on LinkedIn. So I kind of made the assumption that if you're working with a team of 15 people, probably two of those, you're probably connected with all of them on LinkedIn, but two of them you're probably connected with on Facebook. They're your mates. They're the ones that you tell that you're looking for a job and you can't stand your boss, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> so we did some Facebook advertising, but that soon went into, you know, you're, you're hitting people in, in Timbuktu and yeah, it did, all, did. Over, all over again. It's tricky. Well, I'm trying to get my head around, like, there's you, there's two others, and you kind of, what your day's like. So you're trying to, you, you, you obviously, you go into clients to say, look, we have an innovative model for candidate attraction that's different. And I imagine quite, clients were quite interested in this. Yeah, and was it mainly perm or was this contract as well? All perm, uh, All perm. yeah, predominantly perm, right? Predominantly the perm. Thing is, is, yeah. Isn't the hardest to pull had... perm jobs compared to contract, but it's hard to fill them. Right? <coughs> so you, you can get the job, well, done, but then you've got this engine working in the background. We had marketing and data science and tech from pretty much day one. You know, twenty. I think. Business started in kind of Q4 2016, but it was just me up in a little room on my own, staring out the window, thinking, what have I done for the first six months? And then kind of 2017, that's when, after after we got that kind of 40 grand in, like I mentioned, by, by, by yeah. API, API, and it was like, right, this, it was that, that was the kind of the POV, right? Um, sorry, uh, proof of concept, that was like, this, this, this could actually work. Yeah. So then we went and built the, the initial referral platform, then you know, marketing, et cetera, all came mm-hmm. along. So how did the revenue reason... to invest in headcount at that point? Was it from deals or was it money you'd saved yeah. or investment? It's, it's, the ho- it's the whole reason we went perm, right? It's because we need the money. Yeah. We need the money now. Um, and again, you know, the people, the, 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 the clients that we work with and the, the roles that we work on, are, you know, our average ticks around kind of 20,000. So, you know, a few of them a month and, and you're up and running. Right. Um, were, you, were you still doing deals traditionally as well in the background to keep cash flow coming in? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's well. I mean, we would kind of for the first five years, pretty much kind of hands on, right? Yeah. Billing, and then you know, all of the money that that we made was was ploughed back into the technology, um, and has been um, over the years. So you know, we took on, I think, I, I say minimal investment. I mean, tens of yeah, ten, I say tens of thousands. You know, a very very small initial cash injection to get the the first referral platform built um but since then it's all been all been organic right but you're were you still filling jobs doing without even using the data in tech at that point just doing traditional calling candidates dming on linkedin like doing things that every agency does yeah yeah i mean it, it was everything bar you know again we didn't have the the access to to job board, yeah. to job to, to to job advertising it was you know a lot of it was you know you, know, you, you build a referral platform to try and ease the flow of you know generating those candidates, but you know there's nothing like picking up the phone and 
call the young Van Aishon. I've got this role on who yeah. would be good for it. Yeah. So just, just a, a lot of that. But again, that focuses you or forces you to do what I think recruiters should be doing, which is talking to people and building relationships, you know, sitting there and sending out 70, you know, spam LinkedIn messages. Okay, it works, but oh, where's, the, where's the sport in that? You know, where's the fun in that? It's... Um, <laughs> Again, that's just not for me, right? Yeah. Um, I'd rather be talking to people about, I don't know, again, what they've been up to, football, cricket, rugby, yeah, same. politics. Same. Just chatting. So, um, I think what we got to, so we had the 1,100 referrals in 2019, then we essentially... What did that translate to in revenue? Like, How were you doing as a business at that point? Uh, I want to say, I think if you look at the figures here, but probably just shy of a, a million. Right, so um, small small lean team doing you know just around, approximately a million. Three guys front office, four people back office. I mean, it's we've yeah. we've it's with the most upside down recruitment company, I think ever. <laughs> um, you know, you, you you see firms with fifty people and one kind of yeah one one support back, person, one, yeah. one support person, one office manager um, who's doing the finance, the marketing, the everything like. Exactly, exactly. Um, and we kind of tackled it completely differently. But again, I think in, you know, at times and in, in life, if you want to do something differently, then you've got to kind of go off on your own and create your own path. Yeah, um, exactly. It's just it's just difficult to do that sometimes because, as I mentioned before, you know what works, right? I mean, stack them high, sell them cheap. It's the classic hmm. recruitment model, right? Um, that's probably a bit bit tasteless stacking my sim sheet but hopefully you get the you know, get the build, a, build a big army battalion I'm interrupting today's episode to bring you a message from our sponsor Vincere Vincere the all-in-one recruitment platform for the most innovative recruitment agencies on the planet and they've put together a free CRM buyer's guide for you to read because so many recruitment leaders are looking to upgrade CRMs but before you sign the contract be sure to read the terms at least twice. There's so many common traps you need to watch out for. So not understanding the pricing model is one that always comes up. Discounts limited to only the first year of a contract length is something that companies will throw. What are monthly contracts all about? Could this mean flexibility for the vendor to raise the price in the future? And how is your data hosted? Where is it? Is it anything outside your country? And could it mean compliance and legal issues for you down the line? So... You will see the web address to get that right next to this episode. Wherever you're watching this episode, whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's Apple, Spotify, YouTube, just look below. You'll see the link, click the link and get that free guide. You will not regret learning all of these hacks before making your decision and locking yourself into a new contract with a new supplier. So, okay, so going into 20, was it 2019 then, you've got 1,100 referrals, you're doing just short of a million this must yep. have been around when we met. What what was the next phase then? The, fa- the phase was to how do we build a technology that matches these candidates to jobs so that we don't have to think, <laughs> essentially. Or how, yeah, how do you codify what we look for and make those matches? That's where it becomes super, super powerful, right? Um, and... We first built a hard-coded algorithm that worked. And essentially what we did is we created it so that we'd have 
30, you know, 30 people would come up on a shortlist when we put a job onto Bullhorn. I'm telling you all the secrets right now. Um, if anyone wants to go out and do it, please just give me a call first and I'll, I'll tell you all of the mistakes that I've made. Um, Create a shortlist of 30 odd people on Bullhorn that, that we'd fire out an email to, but we did it in um, a way that my email was alex at referment.com and we created a, a, a ghost email, alex.oddwell at referment.com. Same branding, everything. Hmm. And whoever put the job on the system, the 30 candidates that would come up in the shortlist would, it would fire an, an automated outreach email to them saying, hey, Sean, we just have this great role on with HSBC. They're looking for a Java developer. Would you and your network be interested? You know, being very open, very transparent. Um, and we did it in a dynamic way. So whoever had the most notes and most contact with that candidate, it would come from them. Right. So they're more likely to respond to it, right? Um, which is quite a clever little way of doing it. Um, but when I say it's a hard-coded algorithm, it was, it was hard-coded in the sense that there were specific data points that we'd need on Bullhorn to capture. Yeah. And the main one was salary. And we'd set up the, the algorithm to, if the role was paying 80,000, we'd only capture people who were making you know 60 to 70 or 75 because they're more likely to, 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 to want to shift into that role. Um, but anyways, the, the, the long and short of it was that kind of created more of a headache for us than we, we thought it would in the sense that out of the 30, 15 would come back and go, yeah, I'm interested in that role. And then you're like, you're not right for it. Yeah. You're not right. Well, you know, that the algorithm wasn't as strong as it as it needed to be to, to, to do what that. Was it, getting, um, was it just not getting the right skill set as much? Or was it the coding from your end was wrong? Or No, it's, it's, it's it was a, it was it was it was a close match, but there was there was nuances within you know again because we'd populated most of the database, we knew most of the people in the system, right? So I could have had a chat with you last week, and I've sent you an email going, "Hey, would you know for this role?" You go, "Yeah, I'm I'm interested." I'm like, "Yeah, but you're not you're not actually right for that job," you know, um, for, for whatever reason it might be. So then you've got to kind of go back to the person and say, "Hi, oh, sorry, yeah, look, you know, I don't think you're going to be quite right for for this and this reason that." So a lot of our time was kind of usurped instead of going out there speaking to people, was kind of phoning up letting people down. Yeah, letting people down. But also you needed the salary information. Um, so I hired a couple of people specifically to get all of these referrals that were coming in, you know, 1,100 referrals, calling up everyone and going, hey, look, you've been referred for this job, blah, 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 what's your salary information? was?" You know? And then after about a month or two, it was like, this stinks. Do you know what I mean? This stinks of everything that I don't stand for, which is data grabby and, and you're not building relationships with people. You're just trying to get some information off of them so that you can plug it into a, an algorithm, right? Um, so that was the other challenge it had. It was hard-coded on salary information and then the automated outreach, which um, we've all come on to in terms of how, how we kind of amend that um, now. Um, it needs to be absolutely bob on. Otherwise, you cause yourself, you know, another problem. Mm. So... 2020 rolled around, didn't it? Um, I'm very, <laughs> very, very, you know, I was very fortunate that I actually gave notice on our office in February of 2020. Yeah. I had two month break clause. Um, was that because you were sick. looking to move anyway? You were thinking, you yeah, move. yeah, we're just yeah. sick and tired of the, the office that we were in. It was, yeah. again, great location, but pretty tired on the inside. Mm. Um, and I can remember driving up to, obviously, I think it was the 14th of March. Remember, it's like the doomsday, right? Stay at home. There's this yeah, deadly yeah, virus yeah, yeah. out there that's, that's going to yeah. eat you if, you if it sees you. <laughs> and I had to go up, I had all of the stuff in the office. 
So I had to go and rent a uh, an enterprise rental van and drive up from where I lived down in, in Epsom up to the city on like the first of April, second of April, third of April, whenever it was, and kind of load up this van with all of our goods. It was quite. It was. I mean, people talk how, how dead the city's been. Driving up there at that point, you know, in the apocalyptic time of the beginning of April, it was absolutely dead. Didn't see a soul, but Thanks still managed. To, I still managed to get a driving ticket by turning left down a bus lane. So classic. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah. So we kind of went. So because of, I guess, everyone kind of started moving remotely. I can remember purposely saying to the guys, again, we had a very small lean team, which again was very helpful for us, to, you know, um, in terms of our, our ability to stay functioning. I remember just saying to the guys, you know, don't call up anyone asking for jobs. Just, you know, for the first, just call up everyone that you know, anyone you ever spoke to, how you getting on, everyone all right, everyone, you know, just but don't talk about recruitment. Yeah. Because, you know, recruitment is... And I, I joke, but it's kind of like the fourth emergency services, right? Is that when you want a recruiter, uh, you're out of a job, or you're looking for someone, that's your kind of go-to. But other than that, you don't really want to hear from them. I don't want the, the local fire marshal come around every week going, oh, can I test your smoke yeah. alarms? You're like, no, mate, piss off. Like you did it last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we did that. And then um, at that point, the, 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 the the view was very much on radar on this optimization engine that we've been working on. Um, and it kind of was quite timely because... What so is the optimization was, engine this matching algorithm that you had? It's, yeah, there's a number of... Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a few elements to it. Um, the matching one, the matching element being being a core, a core part of it. Um, but because everyone dispersed to their homes you lost those conversations around the water cooler and down the pub around I'm looking to leave or I'm not, you know, I'm not happy in my job or, you know, and I think at that point in time, if you decided to hand in your notice, you were mental. Yeah. yeah, just, yeah, like, right, yeah. Just, just, you know, no one knows what's going on. Just everyone just kind of sits, you know, sat tight and, and rightfully so. Um, so we kind of went to work on the, 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 the matching engine piece and, um, done some interesting things with tech and, and we've stuck it into a graphing database, which I won't go into the details on, but effectively, because we had this issue around collecting manual data points, i.e. salaries, we needed to find a way that we could match it just for CV. And you would know as, as well as, 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 as well as I, that no one puts their salaries on their CVs, right? So we needed to find a way that we could match it off of features on a CV that recruiter looks for um, and make assumptions on what, their kind of salary level will be, which for our market hasn't been that difficult because, you know, you've got junior, mid and senior levels as an example. And if you're looking for someone at a hundred K salary, you're probably at five to seven years nowadays. Right. Um, so that's, that was the, the birth of, of, of radar, albeit we didn't know what it was called back then. Yeah. And the optimization went to work and we worked very hard for, you know, the last three years, working with a team of data scientists sitting directly next to a team of recruiters. And like I said, it's, you know, that isn't common. Um, and I think far too often when you look at a lot of recruitment technology and where some of the bigger boys have, have failed to, to nail it is they've got a team of technologists that are sitting either in a different floor or in most cases, a different office building 
who are kind of so far removed away from the business and the the fighting that they don't you know they're building solutions that no one's using yeah and we we had we had the luxury of having people sitting next to each other going right you know sitting with a data scientist saying right look this is what we look for in a cv here's how we skim a cv this is what we need to take into account blah, blah, blah. and then going away and coming up with innovative ways of of capturing that and modeling it into an algorithm that enables us to to get accurate shortlist of data that we've got it was quite interesting because once we moved to um once we moved to the the model as it is now i.e without the kind of manual data points being captured we had a bit of an issue right because we've been quite lean and not used job boards and not used linkedin advertising we had like five thousand cvs now trying to model and train an algorithm on that limited amount of data is very 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 difficult so we had to go on a massive kind of big push on cv we needed cvs and we needed cvs fast so we've got 60 linkedin job slots between kind of four guys i mean it's just and and we create data pipes into the business so any cv that comes into referment whether it be an email whether it be from a job board from from an advert is 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 sucked into our database because we need that as much data as possible as most. And also the reality is, is that I'm paying for it, right? So if I'm paying for that CV, then why am I trying to store it? Because all that might not be right for a job right now. In five months time, it might be, right? How is it capturing the the salary points and stuff if no one's manually doing it? Where is it coming from? So there's a number of features that are baked into the model. Um, you know, industry company it makes matches based on company information based based off of um a, a market data feed that we get from thomson reuters or, or refinitive of london stock exchange group now um it takes into account job titles skills it takes into account experience in terms of terms like tenure in roles and, and length of length of career so it's basically estim- is it estimating it then yeah so one of the things and it's difficult to get you know we've got we went from 5,000 CVs to 50,000 CVs, right, in two years. <clears throat> and we've got a, a data lake of CVs, 50,000 CVs that are sitting on a table, right? Now, at one end, you might have Python engineers. At one end, you might have salespeople. Now, what, what I'm trying to do and what we've, what we've, what we've done is you know, you're never going to build a model that goes in and picks out the, the exact perfect person because... There's no point in that because the perfect person might not be looking to leave at the moment in time. They might have, you know, might be on going, going off on holiday or whatever it might be. But all you're trying to do is to get the the magnifying glass into an area of your database that says here are the people that are relevant for the role in which you're looking for. And you can set the parameters on how many, you know, how big you want that magnifying glass to be. It could be, you know, we want 10 people, we want 100 people. Isn't that the same as we're doing uh, a search on Born anyway, though? Um, yes and no. Um, search functionality, by and large, within CRMs, and, and it isn't, isn't you know it's not what their their main focus is, right? And the other thing is, this works completely behind the scenes. So, so you're not having to sit there and type it all out. And, well, yeah. You don't. I, I'll be honest. In my day, in my day, I used to recruit. There you go. I used to recruit the uh, always the London insurance market, right? And I knew, yeah. I knew all the names of the brokers and underwriters that were part of Lloyd. So that is sort of thing you, you could have put into an engine like this. But it, obviously, Bullhorn couldn't do that. So I, 
I had all these search strings set that, and it would just, it would skim that non-structured data through CVs where it could be anywhere. And it, yeah. and, and I was able to get older people that someone who didn't have that market knowledge couldn't get because it wouldn't say Lloyd's of London market, right? It'd have to be yeah. 260 companies or whatever. And I knew they had a, they had a, they had a stake in the, in the market. So there was, I, I'll be honest, my bull on searching was was really useful for me. Like it used to pull yeah. really, it pulled big lists, but I, it would get me to a point where it would do what I needed it to do at the time. No, no, and I think, you know, it's... Um, Going back a, a long, of benefits, long few years now. But. <laughs> yeah, I've got to say. You know. um, there's a number of, 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 of interesting points about what we've built. And, and when you're talking about USPs of a, of a, of a company, the, the main ones are, right, can speed up your... Your, your work flow, um, but it can also help you make more money, right? Because, you know, one of the things when you're using a, a model like Radar, you know, as I said, it, it, it's it's embedded fully behind the scenes. You don't do anything, right? All you've got to do is put a job onto your system as accurately as you want, as, as accurately as you can to identify what you want. And then the model has over time made inference, you know, inferences that yeah. if you're looking for, let's say, a Java with Spring, it will also will look somebody a hibernate is linked to spring on on eighty percent of the CV, so we can then tie that into you know somebody that might be relevant. So you you know you start being able to take on an onboard, let's say 10, 15, 20 grads, and embed that knowledge immediately. The other thing um, that when I say it's an optimization, it's not just matching. So everything's built within um, Bullhorn for us, and we've actually just been exceptional to Bullhorn Developer Program, which is which is big news, breaking news for you there. Um, is is CRM first? So you want your people sitting in your CRM as much as possible, and not kind of going out into LinkedIn and 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 having CVs stored in LinkedIn emails that you don't ever see and ever get onto your system. But when you left your company with your Boolean search string that was supersonic and on steroids, that supersonic steroided search string left with you, right? And all of that market knowledge and information that you've got. Everything that we've got is tracked fully and automated track automated within Bullhorn so that when that information goes, all of the candidates that have matched jobs previously are, are stored and tracked on the candidate or the, the people profile, the person profile. So when a person comes back onto the market, you can go, you call me and you go, hey, Alex, I'm looking, I'm back on the market looking for a job. I can go to your person profile on, on Bullhorn and I can see over the last historic two, three, four years, all of the jobs that you've matched. And they're jobs that you've got with current clients, the people who you've got terms of business agreed, you've got obviously the hiring managers, details, et cetera, et cetera, which becomes a huge benefit from a canvassing perspective rather than, you know, getting mm-hmm. a getting an email in the morning saying, HSBC are hiring 500 developers. It's like, great, brilliant. I'm going to go down an absolute rabbit hole now trying to waste my time getting those jobs on. Mm-hmm. So there's loads of different, again, there's lots of different USPs around data hygiene, you know, optimizing processes um, that, that I think from a, well, from a recruitment leadership perspective are, are super, uh, are very beneficial in future-proofing your business and essentially doing it best practice, right? And, and so, by our nature, we... Go, go on, on. As, as the founder, I'm trying to get, get my head into your world. Like, so as the founder of this business, you strike me as you would have been a lot more detail oriented than your classic recruitment founder that are always like, you know, thinking headcount, growth strategies. You're like in the weeds thinking about the tech and the data. And obviously you're not the data scientist, but you can tell the way you're talking, like 
you're modeling this shit over and over and over in your own brain. And so like, what's your role been like over the last couple of years as, as you know, as you've been evolving it, what, what, how do you spend your time? Good question. Um, and again, I think it's just, you know, there's a, I heard, I heard years ago, I, uh, I was in America, I was watching Oprah Winfrey and her husband was on and he said something, this is going back 20 years now, right? He said something that's kind of stuck with me is <clears throat> what you focus on expands. Yeah. And <clears throat> it's so true in anything, any walk of life, whatever you kind of put your attention to and your efforts towards fixing, yeah. you know, becomes a, a central focus. And <clears throat> like I said, the, the bigger strategy, the how do we go and win clients? How do we do, you know, how do we grow headcount? It's just never, ever crossed my mind. It's never been a focus. It's been how do we, you know, the, 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 the idea was to build, you know, to build the tech and to optimize the process and absolutely nail the workflows and then go and scale the recruiter, you know, and, and, and do it at a rate whereby, you know, you've got so much embedded data and technology that you can really go and you can go hard on scaling, right? The reality is, is that we've got to a point whereby I don't really want to do that. You know, I don't particularly want to go and scale and spend my time interviewing people and no. losing them for whatever reason. Because it is tough. Hiring, getting hiring right is tough. Um, and it's now become more of a passion point around professionalizing the industry and using radar as a as a a tool that's been built by serious, you know, seriously good recruiters um, that works behind the scenes, that, that tracks everything for you, that, that forces you to, to input correct data and information to get the best out. Because the problem is, is that the majority of times you go into a recruitment company and you go onto their jobs pages and there's just shit information on it. Because if I've gone and qualified a job, why do I need to put it on the system? I've got all the information in my notebook or in my brain. And the last thing I want is to put all the information in Jennifer or Bob read it all and you know, send over a candidate and there goes my commission dinner. Um, so, you know, data, um, data hygiene has always been used as a, as a stick in recruitment, right? But yeah, no yeah, one's yeah. really, really been able to explain why. Um, but again, with, with what we've done, it forces you to do it because the better the information you put in, the quicker the reward in terms of getting access to the right people within your databases. And again, we, 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 we can populate a job and within you know, 60 seconds, you've got a short list of 20, 50, hundred, however, whatever you want to set the parameter to of relevant candidates in your database that have got an experience, you know, that would have had an experience with your business that aren't maybe on job boards at the moment because, you know, they're, 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 they're passive within, within your, 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 your own database. And you get access to them immediately, right? I mean, why, why so wouldn't you want that? Where does the referral piece kick in? Is that still part of it? Yeah, so the referral piece is still... So we still, um, funnily enough, we've got um, just hired a, a new marketing exec who's um, we're kind of bringing in to re-engage and focus on the referral piece. Look, you know, we, 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 were, we still continue to get referrals and we've sent out kind of weekly newsletters and everything around um, the referral piece. We've still got the, the referral platform um up and running but a lot of it's been kind of manual um but with everyone like i mentioned before everyone kind of working from home working remotely etc it's you know it's you know we're now starting to see people come into the office and come back into to work more often that it's kind of almost been timely that we've been able to kind of take our focus off of the referral piece 
but to now kind of bring it back online now that you know people are getting back in you know going out for and how is and how, are, how are the recruiters performing in your own business now and how many have you got right now four did you say there's five 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 um really well um you know they're, they're, they're doing some pretty big numbers um and they're following yeah but I mean, we, you have to right i mean as in you have to we, like i said it's been easy to kind of change their minds change their mindset or change their processes because this is how we're doing it and you know if you've got a, if you've got a hundred people to do that so you know you're always gonna have the people in the corner you know the oh, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing this shit you know and, and and trying to sell the vision of what we've been trying to do to the guys internally and appreciate that at the beginning it you know the models weren't weren't great but two years down the line with more data and more um, finessing and you know more feedback to the data team you now got workable models that again are running 24 7 365 and making matches and you know surfacing them to you instantly you, you don't have to you know, take away that thinking out of it um but they're doing yeah, pretty you know big numbers um interesting we don't have any sales i don't have targets for any of the sales guys never had targets do as much as you possibly can um and i think one of the one of the challenges that 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 we've always had in recruiting people on the sales team is we've all got pretty high expectations. Um, we, we don't really talk about, you know, we don't have values, right? We don't have kind of a, a wall with fun and energy and whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have standards, you know, um, you know, standards that you kind of live by and, 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 and you know, breathe by. Um, and that's how you kind of talk with each other. I said, we don't even have them written down, but it's like, if you, you, either, you, either, you either know what those standards should be or you don't. And if you don't know what they are, then you're not going to get it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're a pretty tough bunch to work with if you're not, if you, you know, if you're not on the same page because they're very opening and very keen to help people, but they care, which is the biggest attribute I think anyone could ever have is just having a, a you know, giving a shit. Um, and they sniff out people who don't give a shit pretty quickly. And at that point, you've essentially lost the dressing room, right? Um, so yeah, I don't know where I'm rambling with that. How much, how much do you lead this team? How, how, how involved are you in like getting them going and tracking what they're up to and being a kind of leader for their, the, the, the recruiters? Um, I will occasionally walk over and ask them what their pipelines like, and they'll tell me to fuck off. So mm. it's kind of like, you know, we've got a very good relationship in that sense. Um, you know, like, yeah, there, there are times where, you know, I, and, and again, with my focus for the last six months, has been more and more away from referment. So, you know, one of the things that I'm going to have to do um, is, is, is shut the door on referment and, and let the guys run it independently and grow it. Now it's, you know, it's there to thrive uh, and then focus, you know, 100% on radar, which is a decision that was, that was unconsciously made for me probably at the beginning of the year. Um, but, you know, they, they, they're, they're occasion, you know, they're, the only times I really get involved um, are when I hear murmurs of it's a tough market. There's no candidates, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and that's just a, you know, guys, if we're finding it tough than everyone else's, right? You know, just bear that in mind. You know, if you, you know, you've got 30 odd years of collective experience doing this job, if you're finding it tough, then all the newbies that started three months ago, imagine, you know, what shit they're going through. But also in trying to kind of go back, you know, keep them, 
keep them grand on remembering what the job is. And like I said, it's a simple job complicated by, by idiots more often than not, or overcomplicated by people. You know, it's, it's, you know, if you can't find Kenneth, get on the phone and speak to people. You know, you, you're here for eight hours a day or whatever it is, seven hours a day. You know, you can either sit on LinkedIn and go slowly but surely crazy, or you can make those seven hours fun and enjoyable and go quickly by being active. Now, the outcome you're not often in control of. You know, do you get a good candidate by the end of the day? But if you're gonna if you're gonna do it and have fun, I'd rather I'd rather I'd rather fail that way than fail just staring at a computer screen. Makes sense. Um, so tell us about the vision now for Radar and go, where, where is this heading? You you mentioned at the beginning like it's going to be a product you want to now sell to other recruitment firms. So what's what is this vision that you're trying to do? What's the go-to-market strategy? That's a great question. Um, I hate the word strategy as well. It really confuses me. Um, it's kind what's of this, the plan? Uh, what's the yeah, to-do list? <laughs> what do we got to do? Um, so first and foremost, we need to get a couple of companies piloting the product. So mm-hmm. um, a getting them to, you know, there's a, you know, an implementation challenges that, that we'll no doubt uncover. Um, but we've got a company couple of companies lined up for piloting that it's it's an enterprise type solution right um it's one that can be used um it, it probably it's not as beneficial for companies let's say at five ten people like us but for someone with 50 plus heads it becomes a very compelling proposition so you know we are i've been using bullhorn for 12 years now right i think we were probably one of the first people to use it at Harrington Star, and we've effectively built our whole solution around Bullhorn. Um, so you know we're we're actually looking for Bullhorn enterprise Bullhorn customers um, for the first kind of ten to fifteen implementations. But everything's based in the cloud; it's a cloud-based solution. So APIs into any system, but you know, um, one step at a time. The big enough market. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, look, you know, the, I'm, I, I turned 40 this year and I was kind of hoping at this time I'd be, you know, winding down, but it feels like I'm now going to do something that I've never done before and I've got no experience in doing, which is building and running a tech company. Um, and I guess that's maybe my, more, there's more about me than, than anything else that I could Um Again, I, I, I feel very, very passionate and very excited about what this can what this can do to people and to, for businesses, and and hopefully professionalize the you know, continue to professionalize the recruitment industry, um, because we've been for far too often somewhere between estate agents and traffic wardens, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on depending on uh, on the the agency, and I think that where the the the, the industry is going and and will continue to go so is, is more consultancy route and more kind of professional services and you know being data driven and it's easy to say being data driven but actually being data driven is a completely different beast yeah so paint the picture then if a client buys this in 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 its in its kind of perfect form in the future yeah what are they buying just make it simple for me what what is this tool going to do and and what are they what are they going to get it's going to help them make increased profitability per recruiter. Right. Um, that's probably the, the overarching USP. You know, so yeah. when you, and I go back to my Harrington Star days, um, 
when you're running a, a bigger business, you know, you've got, with any sales team, you've got a bell curve, right? You've got your top performers at the front. You're not worried about them. They're making loads of money. They're doing well. You've got your bottom 10% who you're not really worried about because they're either going to self-select out or you're going to fire them. Yeah. So all of your effort is built on this kind of mid-market and, and trying to move that bell curve 10, 15, 20% forward. Now, I, I call it managing average and I don't, that's probably not the right term and a bit harsh on people in that phase, but you know, anyone who's in that kind of average part of the bell curve doesn't necessarily want to be there. You know, it's not like they're there through lack of effort or through lack of trying. Um, but it, you know, there's a lot of information within recruitment. And like I said, although it's a defined process, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways of going off piece than, you know, um, wasting lots of time. So what radar enables you to do is to move your profitability by effectively kind of cutting out and stopping all of that, you know, wastage of, of, of effort and time. Um, and optimizing doing the things that you should be doing, which is again, you know, speaking to people and 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 sitting within your CRM and using the data that you've got as much as possible and not kind of going out wasting, you know, again, looking on the job board for 45 minutes to try and find a candidate. I mean, kill me. Um, yeah, I probably need to work on that pitch, but um, <laughs> you are, well, you're gonna have an audience listening now, mate. These are, these are the people yeah. you want to work with. If, if, if anyone's got any ideas on on on, on how to, to build a, a pitch, let me know. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. open. No, we've we've been we've been kind of going down the route of we've demoed it to a few companies. Um, you know, we did demoed it to Bullhorn, which was you know really positive feedback from them. Demoed it to a couple of their marketplace partners to try and leverage their networks and um the feedback's been been really really encouraging um and, and look the thing is is I, I know it works because we built it right it's not you know this isn't something that's been incubated in you know a far off office but you have kind of built stuff. it and used it on a five-man business or four-man business you, you're selling it to 50 it's a different beast right so that's going to be a challenge it is but that's part of the reason why we kind of realized that we need to take this out because you know, trying to move the dial on somebody who's doing 450 grand a year, you know, trying to get Usain Bolt to run and you know, take a second off his time is, is very, very, very difficult. Trying to get a second off of my 100 meter time as a fat middle-aged 40 year old could be done pretty easily, right? With the right kind of training, the right information, yeah. et cetera. So, you know, when you've got five people who are very, very good at what they do, it's difficult to move the dial on them. Um, also the kind of client base that we deal with is, you know, we, if, if anyone's looking at building a recruitment company, the best advice I give them is get good clients. Get good clients people want to work for. Because if you get that, then you get the good, good candidates, right? Um, and we, we are very fortunate. We've got some very, very, very good clients, but they have very high bars in terms of getting into their businesses. So, you know, we don't have, you know, any clients on the, on the referment that hire probably more than, you know, they aren't hiring 50 of these at a time or 200 of these at a time, et cetera. Um, so we, we don't have the right client base for the solution that we built in terms of, um, you know, attrition and, 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 and volume. Um, and again, the guys are very good. So you know, it, it was some realization that we've actually built this perfect model that can generate much more value within a different environment. And have you got to to now go out and raise capital as well to build this and build a team or is it all coming is your recruitment business your capital is that your cash engine um 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm very keen to separate the two, you know, and I think that, you know, moving forward, it's going to be very unfair for the recruitment business to fund the tech business. Um, I think that could create a problem, you know, and and rightfully so. If you know the, the guys in recruitment are there on the side, they're they're tasked with building a, a an established business, right? You know, we're kind of just shy of a couple of million turnover a year business and growing that to ten million. If they're working their socks off to do that, and then I'm coming in going, "All oh, right, we need five hundred grand, and we're just going to plummet into this tech business." I, I, I over time, you'd be like, "No, this is bullshit," right? So you know, we are the the plan at the moment is to keep that and allow that to flourish independently and not drain it of of capital. That's going to need to grow, and then look to fund radar separately. So it will need investment, I imagine. Because it's yeah, in it, not in, initially. We can run it very lean to begin with, um, in the way the systems are all built. Um, but you know, we're, we're as a you know um, a business with zero revenue, it's quite difficult to raise capital, especially a tech company. Um, but also, if you do, you're doing an evaluation that isn't in your favour. Um, but you know, like I said, if we get one or two pilots underway, then then that significantly changes. When do you think that'll be? When do you think you'll be in that position where you've you've got two clients on board or whatever, and it's and it's rolling? Well, we've got paperwork out to to um, a few at the moment. So my my hope is that by the end of the year we've got you know go live. I think it's an interesting an interesting time. You don't want to kind of go full live in December because everyone's kind of switching off and winding down. Yeah. But if you can get if you get all the plumbing in order, the 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 you know get the the implementation done. For a kind of January start, then we're rocking and rolling in 2023. It's exciting, really exciting. One look, I've I've launched a marketing agency having no idea what, what I'm doing, and I've launched an e-learning business having no idea what I'm doing. So I've I've never launched a tech company, but I have I have obviously got some weird desire to keep doing this, right? Where it's the fear of the unknown, it's the vision I've got that no one else is doing what I want to do. I don't know. It's like you, you are very I can I can empathize a lot with you there. Um, and no doubt you're going to learn a lot. You're going to make mistakes like you already have, and it's going to be a journey. But as long as you focus on where you wait, I think with you, it's quite clear what you want to do with this. Whereas with me, it's been, it's been such a meandering journey of trying to solve problems and then thinking, actually, that's not the one we want to solve. And, you know, Hoxo's reinvented itself again this year, which five years down the line, we, we, we tweaked what we do and, it's, I think this is the best move we've made this year to focus on branding and content. Because you said it, marketing's a black hole in recruitment. We don't even want to solve half of the shit that people are trying to solve anymore. We're like, do you know what? No, we're just yeah. going to focus on branding companies and their people better and making them look better, making them sound better, coming across better. The detail around all the stuff you're doing, the technology and everything, is not. that's not our bag. We don't want to get involved in that. Um, no, but cool. you kind of surround, you surround yourself with people that, that you know, again, I'm not, you know, I'm not professing to be, you know, a tech evangelist, right? Um, but I know what the problem, you know, I've been in the weeds for so long and I'm, you know, I know what the problems are that we can try and solve. Um, and whether or not you're a five-person company or a 500-person company, you've got the same problem, but in 500, it's just multiplied by yeah, yeah, yeah. X, um, you know, um, because recruitment's a, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a boxed-in process. All I'm saying is it meanders, it changes. But what I like about you do, I feel confident that you've got the vision of where you want to take it. There's a lot to do in that vision and tweak and refine like the pitch and, and the rest of it. But 
you know what problem you're trying to solve and you'll stick and I think you'll stick to that, which is that's where I think a lot of startups go, especially like what I've done, have gone wrong. There is a lack of real clarity on where you're heading for what reason. And it's, yeah, it's tough. It's difficult, right? Because you, sit, you hear about companies that start up and they fail and stuff like that. You know, again, no one sets up to start up a company that fails, you know. And a lot of the times it's it's luck and it's timing. And the reality is, is you know, as the saying goes, if you stay in the barbershop long enough, you get a haircut, right? I mean, there's kind of the focus for the first two, three years was just keep going. You know, we, bearing in mind, we've invested so much money into, you know, technology and solving the problems that most normal people... Well, most people wouldn't have done. We were, you know, we had kind of two months of runway for about three and a half years. That kind of makes you makes you kind of get up in the morning. Um, but it also causes you a lot, you know, again, I have jet black hair four Same. years ago. <laughs> no, that, was <laughs> that was a lot longer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, there's different challenges that that you encounter. But it's that kind of what it's the worry and it's the fear of the unknown. That's just, and I'm not worried about that. You know, again, I don't look at anyone and go, right, I can't do that. There's some things that I can't do. Like I can't play musical instruments. And I cannot draw. I cannot draw for the life of me. Um, but maybe it's because I've never wanted to. If you want to do something, I believe you can do it. Yeah, you can. Of course you can. Of course you can. Well, look, Alex, been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. We, uh, we've run out of time, but um, I wish you all the success. I think if anyone's listening to this show, there's a couple of things. Obviously, if anyone wants to pick your brains on a bit of bullhorn uh, knowledge you've got and things you've kind of done and not done, are you open to that? 100%. Yeah, and if 100%. anyone wants to actually pilot this and is thinking, well, I'm, you know, I, I like the sound of this, then just reach out to you on LinkedIn. I'll tag you in everything that we've got on LinkedIn, yeah? Nice one. Perfect. Yeah. It's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you very, very much for, for inviting good. me on. Let's get you back on in the future. Let's find out what, how you're getting on. I want to, in a year's time, I want to know if you've, uh, if you've, if you've conquered these two pilots or whatever and where you're at let's find out um we'll keep in touch stay safe and i'll see you soon nice one cheers sean take it mate thank you as always for listening to today's show i truly truly hope that you got value from it that's the only reason i take time every week is to ensure that my audience future and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that i love so much stronger today's episode was brought to you by hoxo media I am the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media, and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So we are working with over 200 agencies and 2,000 recruiters right now, both managing the brands, producing content, building written video podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at a desk level individual recruiters in your businesses how to be better on LinkedIn that's how to brand themselves that's how to produce content that's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business we're coaching people all over the world every single day if any of that sounds of interest please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me Sean Anderson a personal message on LinkedIn and would love to talk to you I'll see you soon